Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tea Time with Liz. This is your host, Liz Clark. Come on in. Go ahead and tag a friend. Tonight's Tea Time is going to be amazing as always. Um, but before we get into the good tea, of course, we want to get into our Tea Time announcements as well. But I hope you are having a wonderful Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Got to revamp, refresh, um, relax, and ready for a new week. So um, next time, we, this will be our last episode for this month as we have been celebrating PKs. Um, I wanted to shout out all my PKs this month and talk about self-worth um, and our our journeys <laughs> as, as PKs. And so tonight we'll, we'll do part two with an amazing guest, uh, Suffolk Bishop, Monica Price. And so we are going to have a great conversation. Um, we give a shout out to uh, Minister Jonathan, who shared last time on Tea Time. If you missed that episode, you can catch it on all of our platforms which are here on Facebook and YouTube. And also, if you like to just listen in on podcasts, we are now launched our podcast version of Tea Time with Liz. So definitely go check out all past episodes of Tea Time with Liz on Apple Podcasts. Um, it is on our and a couple other platforms. So um, you will find us <laughs> out there to listen on podcast land. All right. Um, so, but I'm excited for November, you guys, because my family is going to join me. We're going to talk about self-worth and family next month. And so I have my brothers, my sisters, my mom and my dad, they're going to join me next tea time, our first tea time in November. And we're going to talk about self-worth. And then um, some family members, you guys have not met my dad's side of the family. I have an aunt and an uncle who will be joining me um, for our last episode. Um, they are from Chicago and just kind of talking about life back then and how growing up, um, in that uh, city. <laughs> and just like I said, just family in general. So uh, next month is our family month. So stay tuned for that good tea. All right. Um, otherwise, we will be coming up to our last few episodes in December. We will shut down our season. So make sure that you are staying tuned um, for our new season that will launch next year. Lord's willing, um, in February. And next year's theme is um, tell your story. So all next year, we're going to hear different perspectives, different stories. So if you would like to be a guest here on Tea Time and share your story, please hit me up in the DMs. And I will share our um, email address as well. Or if you know somebody who you think needs to share their story, let me know. We will start collecting um, that information and hopefully um, have some new faces to come and be an inspiration here on Tea Time with Liz. All right. That concludes our Tea uh, Time announcements. So let's get into this good tea tonight. I am so excited to have this amazing guest. She is a busy woman, but I'm so glad she took her time out tonight to join us. None other than Suffolk Bishop, Monica Parche Price. Come on in. Hello, ma'am. Hey, hey there. How are you? I'm good. How are you tonight? I'm well. I'm well. Thank the Lord. I'm well. God is good. Thank you for having me. This is a tremendous opportunity. You know, I never uh, take for granted the fact that someone wants to talk to you. I never take for granted that someone wants to have you minister at their church or have you speak on their platform. So I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you very much. 
Well, we are grateful to have you. Um, like I said, we know that you're a busy woman. You wear many hats, but just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Wow. How much time do you have? <laughs> you have all the time in the world. <laughs> well, you know, God is good. I am a PK from birth. Uh, some people were not born as a PK. So when they become a PK, it really is a transition because they weren't born in that. And so they can see a real difference. I was born in this. So when I came into this world, I was a PK. And there has to be a real differentiation or demarcation between a PK, a preacher's kid, and a pastor's kid. Because pastor's kids go through so many things differently than a mere preacher's kid. And I, when I say mere, I don't mean to diminish the role of a preacher's kid, but there's just more responsibility and accountability that we uh, have to uh, consider when we are uh, preacher's kids, particularly pastor's children. Right. So about oh. me, I've been pastor's kid all my life. Um, I didn't really want to be in a ministry such as uh, that I am now. Um, of course, if you're in singing, you're in uh, productions, if you're in anything in the church, that's ministry. Sometimes when you say ministry, people think it's relegated just to uh, just to teaching and preaching. But I've been in ministry since five years old, actually. And I've been part of organizing things and being over auxiliaries and over regions. And, and now I'm suffering bishop and that's to God be the glory. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thankful. That's amazing. You never know where God is going to lead you, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just go with the flow, but that is awesome. And you're right. There is definitely a difference between a preacher's kid and a pastor's kid. Yeah. Like said, we will get into this tea tonight. So <laughs> as, as we talk tonight, um, one of our first questions I ask every guest, um, because this um, has been their theme all um, season, is self-worth. And so I wanted to know, what does self-worth mean to you? Wow. Self-worth is something I had to grow into to understand um, many times as just as a regular teenager growing up in church, you have other people's expectations placed upon you. Mm -hmm. But self-worth, when you are mature, there's a self-worth that you realize that my worth comes from God and not from titles, not from labels people put on you. Um, our self-worth really comes from God. And I had to realize that I am chosen. I had to realize I was special, uh, not above anybody, not... not um, better than anyone, but I just realized that there was a calling on my life. And so when you know your self-worth from God's perspective, trust me, you walk very differently than your parents putting expectation on you or your siblings or people in the church or people in the community. So my self-worth, I learned, I didn't always have it, but I learned that my self-worth was really based upon what God has spoken about me and not man. Wow. That's so good. And, you know, I think a lot of times we do look in the lens of man yep. <laughs> before yeah. and then try to get God to confirm it when yes. it's yes. Other, yeah. it should be the other way around. But no, that's so good. And, and I mean, it's so key because God is the one that created us. God's the one that has gifted us. So why not go to him to figure out who we truly are and what we can right. walk in? So I love that. I love that. So, okay. So our next question, like I said, we're going to get into this tea. So uh -oh. how have you discovered your self-worth in ministry so far? 
my self-worth and I want to say my valid my validation my validation came from came from whatever I said and did was effective mm -hmm. so I, I don't care what people say and they can brag about what they do who they are but if you're not effective man you're not effective you know when I learned that I was effective when I learned that what I said mattered to people when I learned that what God allowed me to do in ministry, it was productive and it was successful. That's what added to my worth in Christ and in the community, because you do feel like you have to live up to these labels and you do. Uh, accountability is different than labels, right? So yeah. being accountable is important. It's very important. But yeah. sometimes people put labels on you that that's just not really who you are. Nice. They they force you kind of to do some things in the church. You know, as a PK, we don't get to volunteer. We're voluntold. Okay. We, <laughs> Please tell the truth. <laughs> we, we voluntold. Monica, yes. Yes. what song? What are you talking about? You know. Exactly. And I, you get like two seconds. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't take there's a there's a there's a word a, a book that Maya Angelou wrote. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. And it was also a song we used to sing. And I wouldn't take anything from that strict apostolic bringing. I would not take I wouldn't take I wouldn't take anything for that because it taught me structure, it taught me order, it taught me accountability, it taught me boundaries. That's good. Uh, growing up, of course, it was too too restrictive we thought. But it taught me to appreciate order. Mm. And um, so I, I appreciate that. Okay, so this is going to be a bonus question. Because <laughs> of what you just said. Cause, I <laughs> so um, because, you know, I grew up the same way, you know, no skirts. I mean, skirts, no pants, you know, yeah. all of that. And so when you said that you finally came to realization how that had helped you or that had um, been good for you, mm -hmm. what what triggered that or what? What, how did you get that epiphany that, okay, this was for my good rather well, than how you saw it when it was happening? Well, okay, skirts is different than order. I'm talking about order, not dress code. Said, okay, <laughs> that, that is different. That is, okay. We can talk about dress code too, but I guess when you go into other chaotic situations and other chaotic churches and other chaotic companies and you're on the job and you see how people panic over stuff that the church taught you how to do, Wow. Like, it's like, what? I give you a good example. I use example all the time. I'm in my church office, so you may see some of anything. So <laughs> they're, they're in there rehearsing. So okay. um, anyway, um, so I give you a good example. I was at this uh, corporate office and I was a regional manager of a mental health of a mental health clinic system. Okay. So we five uh, we had four or five mental health um clinics in the system and we had a big board meeting and they ran out of coffee filters and they were like oh my god what are we going to do oh what, what are we going to do i said get some paper towel and keep it moving okay come on <laughs> as that was it was almost like they hadn't done on that mm -hmm. so that was a simple solution for something that was very minute right. but it was throughout the course of me being in workplaces because I was in church and knowing how to make do with something little 
I knew how to transfer that knowledge into the corporate setting for well, what are, what are we going to do? We we Look, if Sister So-and-so don't show up, so-and-so will do it, right? Listen, you talk right, Bishop. Listen, and I apologize for misunderstanding that, but that is so key. I honestly um, don't think I would even be successful where I'm at today if it wasn't for the church, like you said. Right. We we do build a lot of skill that right. helps us in both in both worlds, spiritual and natural. And what we church we that is transferring of power. It is of information that we could really use in the workplace. I mean, I gave a little example, but just people panicking over things that we've learned how to patch it up and keep it going in the church. Keep it going, listen. I mean, we probably go for it for days on these stories. <laughs> For real, but no, that is so good. But that I think even speaks to why it's so important to become a servant in the house of God because it's such a jewel, it's such a gem um, to be able to serve in the house of God, regardless of what position it is, because of the skill that you you will pick up uh, for your future. I think that is so key. So that that's amazing. I'm glad that you you said that. (laughs) Go back to your question about learning how to appreciate that. So I have been in very chaotic situations. Um, I learned to pull on the structure of being um, apostolic. Yeah. The structure of church. I shouldn't shouldn't say apostolic, but the structure of, of church and thanking God for uh, um, appreciating order and appreciating um, reverence for God in terms of tradition and culture. Um, yeah, we see that's changing in the world. Dress code, um, how we how we do praise and worship. Uh, we don't sing. Have we tried Jesus for forty minutes? We okay. Do- <laughs> we believe that God can still work within the time frame of an hour and a half for service. We don't have to be here for four hours to think. Oh, God really showed up. He really can show up within an hour and a half. Okay, listen, <laughs> it don't take long. <laughs> it don't take long at all. But no, that that is so key. And and once again, you know, you you as you grow up, and I think even maturity, you know, as a child, sometimes you don't understand, but those seeds do pl- that were planted do help you as you progress into uh, your future. So I, I love that you 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 spoke to that. Um, so. Um, I, you come from a family of legacy. Um, you know, your, your father was very well known. He wrote a lot of books. Um, I remember him just a little bit as a little, as a child. Um, he was very funny to me. (laughs) He did not hold back his tongue (laughs) and, 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 but he was very honest and, and, um, I even love the fact that he, you know, definitely supported women preachers at that, um, especially in a time when they were not respected. Um, so coming from a family legacy, um, does that play a part um, in your identity and how so? Yeah, um, thank you for asking. It definitely play, plays a part in my identity and it plays a part in my success as well, because my father was a proponent of females ministry. And he absolutely felt like God can use anyone. And why can't God use women? Much to the chagrin of his brethren. I mean, he was, he was really talked about. A lot of male preachers told my father he was out of his mind for authenticating and backing women in ministry. He said, I'm not authenticating them. This is what, this is God. God is doing this. Right. Oh, part of the legacy is um, having that foundation 
that I was supported. My father never dissuaded me from being in the ministry. He never said, well, here, you stand down here and sing, and I'm going to be up here preaching. We had the same pulpit. My father, you know, he, he, he really wanted me to go further and further in ministry. And so um, the legacy that I enjoy, when I say enjoy, I mean, I thank God for my history. Mm -hmm. I thank God for the legacy that my mother and father left. I'm, I'm thank God that, that God has um, bestowed on me the mantle. And we're teaching about uh, mantles for this up upcoming MWDDC conference, shameless plug. For yeah. MWDDC, <laughs> I, I'm teaching Wednesday morning. I start out okay. at 10 o'clock teaching about mantles and the, the importance of women in ministry and how God used us. And I know a lot of people... Um, shun that they they try to come up with two or three scriptures that paul said but i i i'm blessed because of the legacy of my parents and without them i couldn't i wouldn't be where i am now. that's good and and i think sometimes even as young people we forget that legacy definitely has a big place um and where we go um you really can't really understand where you're going without understanding where you come from right because right. Um, a lot of components will come back um, just in different form. And so in able to move forward, you have to be able to understand that. And so um, that's amazing that you had such a, a wonderful name on top of a wonderful legacy to continue to push on um, in this generational anointing is what I like to call it. So <laughs> I like that. It's, a, it's some drawbacks because sometimes people think that they are um, insulting me by saying, oh, you just like Bishop Parche. I say, he was a great man. Uh, thank you. Right? <laughs> like, that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> they think they're insulting me or they think they're putting me down by by saying, oh, you just like, you got a, you got a mouth like you're dead. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right? I've still got it. <laughs> He's still here. Amen. That's amazing. That is amazing. I love it. <laughs> Isaac and Jacob care that anybody said, oh, you from Abraham. Thank you. I got the blessing of Abraham. Right. Like, please put the name on it. <laughs> I definitely will need that. Definitely need that. I love it. I love it. So with this, you know, um, great name and, and legacy, did you feel pressure um, from your family or even from others um, to follow in the footsteps of this ministry? You know what? I got to tell you the truth. No, I did not feel pressured at all. I did not feel pressured, uh, never desired to be a pastor, never. Like I know men that were clamoring since the, since the age of 14, one day I'm going to be a bishop. I mean, and I don't know what they thought their concept of a bishop was. Mm. I don't think, uh, not to be sexist or whatever, but I don't think women look at titles the same way men do. So if, I don't think women look because we've been doing the work of one long before we get the title. Talk now. <laughs> men get the title and then they have to work out their salvation. Women have been working behind the scenes for years. Yes. And then someone says, oh, we recognize so-and-so. Just like Bishop Gwendolyn Weeks, she had been working in Africa for 15 years okay. before she became bishop. She didn't just all of a sudden start working. She's yeah. been in the trenches. I use her as an example because she was one of, one of our first bishops of the PAW. And Bishop Cushenberry, of course, was the first one. I was going to say, I remember Bishop Cushenberry, and and they definitely always spoke of her. Um, 
saying that she was way overdue and and that definitely shows you we have a, we have a problem that's a whole nother tea time though bishop <laughs> this bishop eula nelson you know she had yeah. been work up in uh, new york for years and she you know i went to her 50th pastoral anniversary wow. and you know 50 years and all of a sudden they made, made her bishop you know so um, it, I, but it, let me ask you a quick, cause I feel like in my head, I'm all over the place. You got some good, or something or private or private tea time. Right. So, right. um, to answer your question, no, I did not feel to carry on the mantle, to walk in ministry. I went to my father three times and I said, I just feel like I should be in ministry. By the third time I went to him, he said, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. And when he said that, I then knew that he approved. I then realized he'd been waiting on me. And I was the one just, I didn't want to be a minister because I saw what they went through. Who wants to be a minister? I mean, who wants to, who wants to, <laughs> some people do, but when you know PK or what they go through, you're not anxious to preach or teach or pastor. Listen, ain't nobody signing up for nothing, as you can see. I have definitely said no <laughs> to many things. <laughs> so, but no, that is good. Um, so that takes me to my next question. So now, um, like you said, you were birthed into being a, a pastor's child. So this is all you really know. Um, so what were some of your struggles growing up, um, you know, as a pastor's child? Share some. Uh, Honestly, trying to fit in, mm. trying to fit in at school, trying to fit in at church. I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. Um, I wanted to hang with my friends, but they wanted me to sit up front with the family. Uh, even we would have dinners at church. You know, dinners at church were like the thing, right? We had soul food and I wanted to hang out and eat with my friends, but I I was made to eat with my family up, up in the front table. And I didn't like that. I didn't like being separated. I didn't like the fact that we... Um, we had different dishes. I'm I'm telling you the truth. Wow. I didn't like that. I didn't like that we had different food. Well, we had the same food. They just served it differently. And okay. understand the value now of honoring. But as a child, I said, well, why can't I eat with my friends? They're over there. No, you're going to eat with the family. We're up here. So it seemed like that table was way in front. Now, in my mind, it way in front, but you look at it now, the tables are right <laughs> next to you. <laughs> but if you're way in the front, you're <laughs> that's hilarious. Yes. Pressure of having to be separated. I didn't like the pressure of the pastor's kids were constantly scrutinized. And Sister So and So's son could do the same thing. But if my brother did, oh, those terrible PKs. Yeah. So we, we had an unfair accountability that was un, was just unfair. Yeah. No, that's that's good. And and I now you, you mentioned you have siblings. So where do you lie within the siblings? I am the last of the Mohicans. I'm number five. Oh, five yeah. Grace, take it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you got to see all of them make their mistakes. <laughs> Um, they were so much older than me. I didn't know a lot of things that they 
I didn't realize that I was older, what they were into, what they did. I didn't know because I was a kid. Right. And my mother really sheltered me a lot. I was with my mom a lot. Like um, my sister is several years older than me. And she was out of the house and married when I was a young teenager. Wow. Okay. Uh, even beyond, even under that. So they were so much older than me. Um, my brother. So, so my sister starts us out. She's the oldest. We call, she calls, we call each other alpha and I'm omega. Okay. And there's three boys in between and I lost two brothers. So, um, yeah. So there's just three siblings left now. Okay. And, and so with that different age group, so then did you really have to stand alone as the P as a PK then and just kind of figure yeah. these trials out? Um, yeah. Are you able to kind of talk to them a little bit about, you know, what you're dealing with? <laughs> You know what? No, because back then it's just like you just dealt with it. Like I didn't ask my brothers and sisters, sister, hey, how did you guys, how did you negotiate? How did you, it was just, we just lived it. And you don't, you know, things are much more open and more communicated now. Back then you just lived your life. But now we have tea with Liz. Now <laughs> we have now we have different streams. We have different platforms. We can voice how we feel. We can inquire of other people. But growing up, you just did what you were told, really. You just did what you were told. And we, our feelings were not really considered. Now everybody's in touch with their feelings. And let's just keep it 100. We couldn't keep it 100 back then. Right. Mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but that's good. I mean, and, and I mean, I, but I think that's, even today, though, as a as a pastor, you can't really say much because if you were to say something, you gonna get in trouble before the person gets in trouble <laughs> because you have that's, to. Well, that's why develop friendships among other PKs and other preachers and pastors who get it. Like I'm very close friends with other PKs who are now bishops who are now pastors because they get it. It's not that we think we're better. It's not like we're clannish. It's just. They just get it. And a lot of people don't understand what, what pastoring is. Um, they think it's some glamour job. You know, 10% is preaching and being up front. The other 90%, you're doing hospital visitations. You're doing rights of people dying. You're getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting calls to go to the scene of a crime. Somebody died. I'm walking yellow tape. I'm also a chaplain. So there's a lot that we do that people don't see. They see the blitz and the glamour, but there really isn't. No, it, it truly isn't. And I think, like you said, us PKs, we understand that. And that's why we're not the first ones to sign up for any of it. No. I mean, I mean, even when it comes to running a business part of it, you know, you know, especially uh, my parents, they they started from the ground up. So, you know, a lot of financial burdens were, were stuck on them. And so, you know, it, it, it affects the house a little bit, too. So, yeah. you know, you but you see how the Lord blesses and keeps them. But yet and still you're like. This is never going to happen. <laughs> I'm well, not you, know, the thing about, you ask about continuing the legacy that I feel pressure. Now, I didn't necessarily feel pressure about having to pastor. But when it comes to our school, so the church has a K, K4 through 12th grade school. And I oversee that as well. So when it comes to something like that, I think I felt more pressure to continue in that vein with the school more than I felt pressure to be the pastor. That's so, good. Yeah, and that, that's a whole nother business uh, sense that I had to learn. It's called OTJ. I had never been the president and CEO of a school before. 
right. but worked there, I understood just the rudiment, rudiment, I could the rudiments of business. <laughs> I understood certain things, having walked in um, the shoes of of as an educator and helping and seeing my mom, who was a master teacher, and and being at the school as the um, at that at that time it wasn't called dean of scholars, but I took care of the school records, so that's important. So I learned. I learned along the way. That's good. And and so that raises another question. What caused you not to want to turn away from ministry, even though, you know, you did have some of these struggles, um, you know, come against you. You couldn't yeah. really say much about them. But what made you not want to rebel against ministry or even God? Um. OK, so rebellion and walking in ministry, are those two different questions? <laughs> Take your time. We got time. <laughs> Answer how you may. <laughs> I felt here and there as a young child, as a as a teenager, you're a teenager and you want to fit in. Like I said earlier, one of our biggest things was I just wanted to fit in. I wanted real friends. I didn't want friends to like me because I was Monica Parche. Because I thought I'm a pretty cool person. You yeah. should be for who I am, right. not for, not because of my last name. And so even when guys would try to date me and I never knew, do you like me for me or because you want to get next to me so you could get close to my dad so you could be one day. I mean, all those things come across your mind. They do. You know, so what caused me not to leave the church or rebel is my love for God. And I tell people all the time. Try to instill the love for God in kids young. So when they get to a certain age, when they do see disappointing things in the church, when they are, uh, when they do have, quote unquote, church hurt, I think church hurt is so overused. I'm not saying it's not appropriate, but I think it's overused because I say church hurt, stand in line. I mean, please take a number. Everybody's been there. Yes. We <laughs> as kids, we are way ahead of the line for church hurt. And we still had to stay here and play the organ. We still had to stay here and direct the choir. When other people were tripping and refused to come to church, guess who had to show up when y'all didn't want to show up? Come on. <laughs> and Mr. Jonathan said the same thing last time. So you're, it, you're right. Yes. Yeah. When everybody is mad at the pastor, maybe he preached something they didn't like or he called him out. I ain't coming. Okay. Guess who had to fill your shoes when you didn't want to sing that song? Yes. So. So that kind of stuff can cause you to go into depression and be bitter. But if you have a relationship with God young, then you learn to build your faith on that and not on people. Because if I built my relationship based upon people, I would have been gone a long time and I had just cause to go. But I love God too much to let people determine God. I love that. I love that. And and I definitely stand on that as well. Like, I think you have to come into your own relationship with God. And so, yeah. Um, so that raises another question. <laughs> um, so when did you discover your own relationship? I mean, was it as a child? Like when did, yeah, I guess, when did you get saved? And then when did you discover your, your personal relationship for you? I got baptized at seven years old and I got the Holy Ghost for the first time at nine. Okay, come on. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yes. And then I went through some things during my teens and I didn't leave the church, but I went through a lot of question marks like, well, God, why this? Why that? And why, why do I feel this way? And why do I have to do this? And you go through that. It wasn't necessarily rebellion. I was just in an identity crisis. Um, 
I was just 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 asking God a lot of questions. And then um, my latter teens into my early 20s, I really solidified my relationship with God and said, look, you know what? No matter who comes and goes, you're constant. So I'm not going to penalize God because man lets me down, you know? That's so good. No. Yeah. And, and I think we, I think that goes for anybody, you know, not just being a PK, but I think that speaks volumes to anybody that regardless of what man or people may say, you have to come to an understanding that it's you and God and that man will leave you as the Bible says, some may trust in chariots and horses, right. but we choose to trust in the Lord. And that's real because those things will fail you time and time again. Um, but God will always be there. And so, um, but sometimes it's hard when you grow up in the church or especially, like I said, being a PK, you know, you're definitely uh, sometimes pressured into salvation yeah. <laughs> and right. and having to, you know, commit, not knowing really what you're committing to. Um, yeah. And, and you, you know, like I said, kind of just go with the flow, but it's that epiphany of you and God yourself and yeah. nobody else. So I love that. I love that. So um, my next question is, um, so as you went through, you know, different struggles um, as a PK, um, mm -hmm. what helped you overcome um, and not take offense or, you know, like I said, um, even walk away from the church? Obviously, you couldn't, but <laughs> still, and, and you, I mean, as you got older, you could have. But um, yeah, what, what helped you overcome some of those those tests and trials? Seeing my school friends, seeing my friends make mistakes, mm -hmm. seeing people I went to school with, seeing even young ladies that I grew up in church with, they made huge mistakes. And now they, they love their children, but they remember I was 15 when I had that child. I was 16 when I had the child. And we're all like in our fifties now, I'm telling my age, but we're all in our fifties now. But sometimes they, I could tell that having children or doing other things, yeah. um, it, it, they can, they, they wish things would have been a little different, you know? So what kept me is that I'm going to tell you the truth. We didn't come to God because we loved him so much. We came to God to escape hell initially. Right. Initially, we were scared to death, scared straight for real. Okay, be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest, because you didn't know God to love him yet. No, you didn't. So we came to Christ because we didn't want to go to hell. And then after we, we after we solidified our relationship with him, then we realized, oh, I love you, Lord. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to let you down. So it, it came more of a Lord. I'm... <laughs> And I don't want to paint this picture that I was better than everybody because trust me, I wasn't. No, but I didn't want to go down the road they went. I saw what they went through and I didn't want that for my life. It wasn't that I wasn't better. It wasn't that I didn't want to go clubbing either. It wasn't that I didn't want to do this, this, this. Of course I did. But I was too scared of God. And I said, and one of my, I give you a funny, um, one of my friends said, just go to the club. Nobody will even know you're here. That's and, a lie. <laughs> and I said, guess what? Guess what? That would be just the time. Yeah, the and the headline would be Bishop's daughter found in club. club. Yes, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, was too, I was too afraid of, um, 
I was scared of my parents for one. Sometimes godly fear of your parents. Yeah, <laughs> and my father was very open. And my father would preach on you, me, everybody. So I didn't want him. He would tell from a from a from the pulpit. Well, Monica's blah 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 blah, and he'd be go right on preaching. So we would be the topic of his preaching sometimes, and that was very embarrassing. So there are all kinds. Of, Liz, sister Liz, I know you and I could probably talk off camera, but there are so many things that God shielded us from that we could easily thrown in the towel. Said, you know what? Enough of this. Uh, you know, our, I don't know about your parents, but my, my father would openly embarrass us. And that's enough to make you rebel and say, to heck with church. Listen, for real. No. And, and that's why, you know, like I said, I asked that question because, you know, I, I give um, obviously we give honor to God that yeah. it was only by the grace of God that we're still here and that we still have a heart and we still love and we still um, yeah. You know, want to walk in ministry because um, just like, you know, it, I, I don't see us any different than anybody in the world. It just so happens our experience came through church Yeah, um, that, you know, the, the trials and the tests of, of, like you said, identity, but also, you know, trying to tear you from God, you know, those, those words hurt from people, those lies hurt, you know, having your name called out over the pulpit, not necessarily your name, but you know what they're saying in code. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, it's, it's not, oh, but go ahead. No, no. Sometimes it wasn't even code. He would outright say things. And I felt bad because I felt that I felt bad that my father was in the position where he felt like he had to defend the saints and hang us out to dry. Yeah. He was in that position where he felt like he had to like cover them, but expose us. Yeah. You know? No. Like, and why would you believe yeah. what's said about me? What you, did you ask me? Was it true? Or are you going to believe what sister so-and-so said about me? Yeah. Maybe no. I too much on this public platform. <laughs> okay, yeah. But but that I mean that's real. And I think those are some, like I said, those are some things that PKs don't get to share. Those are some things that, you know, we basically had to go to God and have him help us. Like, like I said, it is only by the grace of God that you've said yes to even ministry, that you 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 even said yes to being a pastor at that, you know. Um, I I like I said, that's a true testimony to me to, to, you know, come against people who say they carry the spirit of the Lord, try to tear you from the Lord, <laughs> but yet you still prevail wow. um, in, in your calling. Like I said, that is, and it's not to say that they're, 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 they're the devil. That's not what I'm no. saying, but it's just, but it's, the devil. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay. But, but you know, they, they weren't whole yet. So. Yeah. Right. He, he still had some some strings he could pull. And so we just so happened to be the test. And and but yet and still, regardless if we failed or not or how it hurt us, the Lord saw grace. And so, no, I thank you for your transparency and, and your honesty. Like, I, I think, like I said, a lot of PKs can really register to that. And it's, it, it's not and this is not to bash any parent of ours, if I know because we do appreciate the honestly I do appreciate the covering of of shelterness and 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 keeping us from some things that like you said others would get to be exposed to but now look at their life you know not yeah. like you said not to um 
to compare or to be higher than, but, you know, sometimes we don't see that, like I said, until later on in life. And, and, and you're like, oh, I appreciate it. Cause I remember when I first moved to Minnesota, I was in, you know, I was 18 and, you know, I now I had all this freedom, I'm free, <laughs> but it's still, it, those things still were instilled in me to, to make right decisions, to not do yeah. crazy things and wild out. And, you know, because I feel like PKs get the bad rep of rebellion yeah. <laughs> all the time, but some yeah. do rebel, but we can't, but you're right. When you, that, I think that goes back to what I was talking about. I'm thanking God for my strict upbringing because I moved to New York. I moved to, to New Jersey and I really could have wild out. I really could like, I'm a thousand, I'm 1200 miles away from home. Nobody, no one knows me. <laughs> but, but, it's the thing, but wait a minute. I'm here. God said, wait a minute. I'm here. Yes. I, the eyes of the Lord are all everywhere. Behold yes. the good and the bad and the evil. Yes. So when you realize that you're a child of God, no matter where you are, you have a whole nother mindset, a whole nother mentality of doing what's right. You do. You definitely do. And, and I, like I said, I, I think, like I said, uh, we appreciate that now, <laughs> um, but you know, it, there are there were some struggles, and there were there were some things that tried to blind us, that tried to cripple us, but um, we didn't allow that to happen. And you and you've you've stepped forward and and look at where God has brought you to today. So, um, how did it feel though coming into the family legacy and taking over the church? How how was that process for you? Um, initially it was very difficult. I'm not going to front and say, oh, the Lord blessed and everything was sunky, dory and smooth. It was very difficult because out of 60, um, 65, 64 years of the church's existence, it was, it was run by a man Wow. and an older seasoned man that people looked up to as their father. Mm. Now you're looking at, I'm assuming the mantle of my father's church with my mom. And it, it was it it was very difficult. One of the trustees said, I'll never forget, we were having kind of a memorial service where the saints could just come together and grieve without national attention, without the national bishops. And we had a service to just come together and just talk about funny stories about my dad. Let's just come together and have a time of grieving and let's laugh some of the crazy things Bishop would say. And the trustee, one of the trustees got up, he said, you know what? We just want to let you guys know we support you. We love you. But this is going to be difficult for us because we're used to Bishop. We're used to a man. So you got to give us time to settle into this decision that, that you're our pastor. And at that time, my mom and I were co-pastors. So not just my mom as a woman, you have two women. Two women now, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I didn't change anything. My mom and I, we didn't change anything. I think people get into trouble when they become pastors that they change everything right away. That's just not wisdom. Not good. Yeah. That's um, yeah. A lot of our traditional old mothers were still alive. They still had their thought. Um, I remember changing communion one time and one of the mothers read me up and down. Oh no. So let me tell you what I did. I just felt led to offer communion to those who, um, cannot have alcohol. You know, traditionally apostolics, we use fruit of the vine. Yeah. <laughs> we, use wine. 
And I just felt led, I said, because I knew of some people who had personal struggles. I couldn't share their business to But I had a line for grape juice and I had a line for wine. Hmm. And it, it was not taken too kindly by some of the older people. And I said, the Bible never says wine. It says fruit of the vine. Is not grape juice fruit of the vine? And so she's like, yeah, but you're changing tradition and blah, blah, blah. I say, well, you stay in the fine line and let those who are not quite delivered. Right. Hopefully she'll get back here in a second. Looks like we're having some technical difficulties. Hopefully she'll be popping back in. But until then, make sure that you follow us here on Facebook and Instagram. Also follow us here um, on YouTube. If you are tuning in on YouTube, definitely subscribe and watch us there. Maybe if I bring it back in, she'll come back up. Oh, she'll call back in. And once again, if you know anybody who has a story that would like to share their story here on Tea Time next season, please hit me up in my email and share your information, your story, so that you can be the next guest here on Tea Time next season. So definitely hit us up on our DMs if you want to. Otherwise, you can also email, say, you know, I want to tell my story in the subject line and we will get back to you. I'm sure she will be joining us here very shortly. Once again, thank you all for tuning in to Tea Time tonight. It has been some great tea. I see your comments uh, that it's been good. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you share, tag somebody. Like this is just not for PKs, but it's for everyone um, to see the different perspectives. I think we all can share um, some type of experience, um, whether it's in the church or even outside. So uh, definitely, like I said, share the tea. Um, once again, you can see and hear Tea Time with Liz on our new platforms for Apple podcast on Anchor, and we are also on Google Cast and Amazon Music. So if you have any of those platforms on your uh, Apple phones or your Androids, because I know there are some out here <laughs> who still have those Androids, <laughs> um, you could definitely tune in to all of the Tea Time episodes from this season and last season on those platforms. Uh, once again, hopefully she'll be coming back in shortly. I don't have any messages from her yet, but um, I'll give her a few more minutes. Like I said, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for your comments and sharing the love. Hello, everyone. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to this good tea tonight. Um, just once again, too, uh, next month, we are going to be talking about self-worth and family. So I'm excited to have my own family come and join me for the first episode. And then some of my extended family will be joining me 
um, for the second episode here next month on Tea Time with Liz. And we will be finishing our season out in December with your girl, <laughs> just me by myself um, in December. So we're going to wrap up talking about self-worth. Um, what we gained, what we didn't gain. And then also, um, I think just do something fun and we'll do some some makeup. So, all right, she is back, y'all. There we go. I'm so sorry. We've been having problems all day. It's okay. See, the devil didn't want us to talk anymore. <laughs> when I start talking about that blood and that communion, he didn't like that. Then he said no. <laughs> so you had two separate lines, and she didn't like that. <laughs> she didn't like that. She thought I was changing tradition. She thought I was changing the will of God. I said, "Well, I am changing tradition because a lot of things we've done things that are not biblical, but they're traditional." And mm -hmm. so we have to learn the difference between something spiritual and just something that maybe works for your culture or something that works for your church. What works at your church may not work at our church. That's you know, good. that's good. Okay. And, and that I think that is great wisdom because not every city is the same. Not all cultures are the same. And so, well, you know, you have to adapt your ministry to the culture that is around you. Exactly. And you have to you have to um, change with the culture. We don't change the word of God. But if I know that you can eat something with a chaser or mm -hmm. with something to go along with it and to help it get it down. For instance, you asked a question a while ago, how do I know, how do I feel like that things are being successful? And I said, when I'm being effective and a young, a man came up to me, he said, I have not been able to take communion for 30 years at this church because when God saved me from being an alcoholic, I told him I would never touch another drop of alcohol. And so I have deliberately abstained from communion all these years. Thank you for instituting grape juice. Now I can feel like I'm, be, I can be, I can partake of the Lord's supper. And that, that man, that that's what does it. That's 30 years, 30 years. I said, that, well, did you, couldn't you take it in faith? He said, Nope. When I made a promise to God, I wouldn't touch alcohol. I meant that I said, but not even for not even for communion. He said, no, because I made a vow. He wasn't equating faith with that. He was equating. I made a vow. I would not touch alcohol ever again, ever again. He didn't and make the transition of we're healed when we come to the table, that that's faith, right. you know? And so he said, and so when he said that to me, I said, thank you, Lord. That just authenticated my rationale for having grape juice. Cause somebody feels like they can't take wine. Maybe they don't have that faith, but they yeah. should still be allowed to come to the table. Still, there is a spot for everyone at the table. <laughs> there is. Yeah. And, and I mean, like you said, that just shows the wisdom. Um, and even if it's just for that one person that God allows you to yeah. change their life, 30 years is a long time. It's a long not, time to be at somebody's church and not participate. Say, Lord, not participate because you made a vow. And that's a whole nother tea time too. <laughs> and that's our right. Communion <laughs> is our right. Yes. Yes, it is. And 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 like I said, and and the fact that he was so dedicated to that vow to the Lord and he was not taking it back. Uh, we sing yeah. it, but, but he was dedicated to it. Um yeah. The Lord set him free that day and because of your wisdom, you know, and I think um, this is definitely a time in a generation where God is raising up those Deborahs and Esthers. Um, Amen. We're in a, in a season of, of that to to restore some things um, as yeah. I think 
women just have that that spirituality of nurturing and seeing some some things that you know our brothers just don't see um but it doesn't mean that we are by ourselves we're, we're able to work together well you know jewish thought is that the woman's tears are the closest thing to god that's jewish thought wow that a woman's tears are closest to god because god can trust women with that passion to really intercede that's good you know and and I believe that. <laughs> I definitely believe that because we are emotional beings. We 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 can. Who's at all night prayer? Who's at prayer meeting? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And and but that just shows you, like I said, the the genuine um, ness that we have for the Lord and His in His heart, yeah. and, and being able to feel that. Um, but once again, that's a whole nother tea time, Bishop. <laughs> We got so many tea times we're going to have. Um, I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> we're definitely having her back, will we not? Um, so um, we are coming into our last few minutes. Um, everybody, please give her a shout out. Let her know how much you have enjoyed her wisdom, her her testimony tonight. I um, love doing this. Yeah, I love doing this. This was amazing. Um, so authentic, so real. And, and I definitely... Um, have gotten a lot. There will be some quotes coming out this week, y'all. <laughs> Those for sure. Um, but before we close, um, I'd like to leave um, our guest um, with some more wisdom um, from just, you know, overall tonight. Um, so what advice would you leave um, for the viewers, um, whether they are a PK or not, um, just, you know, continuing in their walk with Christ and, and, you know, just doing what the Lord told them to do. Yeah, thank you. I think it's so important for us to get in touch with God, not your feelings, but get in touch with God. We have, we have, we were so, uh, we're so surfaced that we want to know, we want other people to feel what we feel. And it's not about what you feel. God is not touched with our feelings like that. He's more concerned with our faith. He, he wants to build our faith. So he's, he's not moved by our tears. He's moved by our faith. And I encourage everyone to get, get quiet, like get into that space and that groove where it's just about you and God. And um, if the church is a medium by which you do that, great, because that's what we propose. I mean, that's we're a proponent of church. Right. We are a proponent of church. And so you can't say, well, I love God, but I don't like the church. We're his bride. You can't avoid his bride and get to him. Right. So, so, so I get church hurt. I get what well, church is so phony. I get all that because I've seen more than you. So right. I get it. I get it. But at the end of the day, he's going to say, how did you show your love for me by mm -hmm. serving? How did you show your love for me by keeping my commandments? So don't say I love God. What's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's how he knows. And there's a Hebrew word that says Shema, Shamir. So when you when you when you hear the word uh hear, hear and obey are the same word in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So if you hear God, he'll know you hear you heard him by how you obey him. That's so good. That's so good. I hope y'all caught all that good tea right there. That was so good. 
Oh my goodness. Thank you, Bishop, for all of your wisdom, all of your transparency tonight. Um, <sighs> gotta go Did back. I say too much? <laughs> no, ma'am. No, definitely not. I think this is this was well needed um, for all of us. Um, whether you are PK or not, like I said, I think it helps even hearing um uh, a, a person's perspective um, to understand, you know, where they come from and, and to like you just finished off, you know, love regardless of where yeah. they are in position in, in the church right. um, are all part of God's body. And regardless of what position, like I said, we hold. So thank you once again. Thank you all for tuning in. Once again, share this tea time with somebody that you know that couldn't come out tonight, definitely look it up on our podcast tomorrow. It will be posted. But once again, we thank you all for tuning in and we thank will you see you next me. time on Tea Time with Liz. Mm-hmm.